Anime, I've got a question for you. What's your question, bud? Do you think it would be a good idea to go to a place where you can't breathe? I feel like this is a trick question. No. What about a place bad. what about a place where you can't breathe and could also freeze or fall to your death? That sounds awful. What about a place where you can't breathe and could also freeze or fall to your death that happens to be crowded with several other people who can't do much to help you? Ew. I hate humans. So, good Why idea, bad them? idea, what are we thinking? Be bad. Very Poor. bad. Okay. Well, uh, don't go to Mount Everest. <laughs> Adams, and this is a podcast about incompetence. I'm going to tell a friend of mine a story from history involving massive incompetence. This week, uh, or I guess not really this week because it's been a while since the last update, but this time around I got my friend Anna Mae back on the podcast. Thank you for swinging by. Hi! I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> the first first guest in a while. It's uh, It's been a minute. Do you know what we're here to talk about, Anna Mae? Sounds like something cold. Are we talking? That's <laughs> what the question is about. I think we're here to talk about Matt Everest today. We are here to talk about Matt Everest. This is one of the rare times where I did not ask my guest what they wanted to hear about before I uh, asked them to be on it. I was like, hey, you want to talk about Matt Everest for Big Time Whoopsies? And it was like, yeah, sure. I believe the appropriate text was not that nonchalant. It, it was, was very, very chill. It was very calm and collected. <laughs> It was like, yeah, I mean, I, whatever. If I can fit into my busy schedule, Eric. You know, I work a whole five days a week. Yeah, you know, I'm a busy on the on the go lifestyle. That's anime. I just got back from Africa, so mm-hmm. that was pretty busy. But here I am now, back to the nine to five grind. But Massachusetts, ten to six, and one to nine on Fridays. <laughs> and one to nine on Fridays, baby. Uh, working in 2019. So Mount Everest, if you didn't know anime, is the tallest mountain in the world. In the world? In the world. Yeah, I know. It's a real fun fact. Really esoteric. We're starting off with, like, the really little-known stuff. Cool. It's really tall. It stands 29,029 feet high, uh, or 8,848 meters, if you're nasty. Excuse me? Yeah. Question? Um, has it shrunk or grown over time, or is it always 2929? I believe it is always 2929. I don't, I don't think it's had any spurts, down or up. Isn't it icy, so it could have melted or. It is still like. I mean, it does have ice. But like, it's, it's high enough that there isn't a lot of like moisture in the air at the top regardless and the weather doesn't change often enough for it to really start like melting or anything cool and it's also it's also primarily made of rock oh right great 29 29 tall something meters i wasn't listening to that yeah it doesn't matter we're american that means that the highest part of the mountain, the top of the mountain, the highest 3,000 feet approximately is what is in what is known as the death zone (sighs) This is an altitude that has so little oxygen that it is impossible to acclimate to. Even if you, even if you like, stayed in one of those fancy tents that like destroys uh, the oxygen in the air, whatever. So you don't, so you get used to having not much oxygen. Uh, It's still you still can't acclimate to this because there's so little. Cool. You will always, you will always use more oxygen than you are taking in. So you'll always, you need to take your oxygen with you. Yes. Because you in, can't in breathe bottles. the air that's there. In yes. bottles. Like your polar seltzer. An extended stay in the death zone will lead to your death. That's why it's called that. How how long is extended? Like, we're talking like three days? We're talking like seven months? Uh, we're talking like more than a few hours. Oh. So like... Real extend, real short. Yeah, it's it's the death zone, baby. <laughs> That's how it goes. <laughs> but 
but Mount Everest, <laughs> the thing is, Mount Everest is the tallest mountain in the world, so someone's got to climb it, right? I mean, you have to climb it if it's there, right? Yeah, that's, uh, we'll, we'll, more on that in a minute. In 1922, a man named George Mallory thought it was going to be him. The way you say that makes it sound like it wasn't him. Well, that's, that's how stories work, anime. Oh. I'm ready for my story. Okay. How are you feeling, anime? You doing good? I'm so pumped. So Mallory thought the guy to climb Everest, well, that was him. Mm-hmm. Mallory was an English mountaineer who had taken part in an expedition to reconnoiter Everest the year before. Sorry, can you this reconnoiter? To, to scope out the possible route that they could take up. You know, like recon? Oh. Reconnoiter? Huh. Okay, cool. Recon stands for reconnaissance. I did know that one. Yeah, reconnoiter is the verb, apparently. Did you look it up before this, or did you know that ahead of time? I believe I knew it ahead of time, but, like, generally with things that I think I knew ahead of time, I could have been wrong. Great. Cool. Onwards. Yeah. Uh, This was in an age of British exceptionalism, when Brits sought to conquer pretty much any part of the world they could see uh, for the glory of the Queen and her empire. Yeah, big fart noise. Brits had missed out on being the first people to reach the North and South Poles, so they wanted a Brit to be the first to climb the so-called Third Pole, the tallest mountain. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's something funny anime. I was just thinking about... The world is like a triangle, and there's the top and the bottom, and then there's just Mount Everest, just like boop, sticking out there. Yeah, I thought you were. I thought you were gonna go with a sexual angle to this, like yeah, climb my pole. I also was thinking that, but I had a picture. Of course, then you'd have to be like, I have three poles, and that's, that doesn't really. That's work. kind of gross. That's excessive. Mm-hmm. And then I was thinking about pole dancing. Obviously, that's clearly the next one, but that would just require a lot of. Yeah, do not dance on Mount Everest. Everest. <laughs> Especially scantily clad, that would just be... Yeah. So, George Mallory took a dozen men to make the attempt in 1922. The expedition also employed over 100 Nepalese porters to carry supplies from camp to camp and from towns. And by May 10th of that year, they had an advanced base camp at an altitude of 21,000 feet. 21,000 feet. So that's... Yeah. It's, so all they had to do is the last 8,000. He sounds easy. It's like 2929, so. Yeah. Just just 8,000 more feet. Doesn't sound awful. Yeah. That's a doable scenario. Yeah, they planned three attempts to summit, and they were like, surely one of these. <laughs> if they got it on the first try, though, that would be sad, so I... Well, then, because they had a bunch of different mountaineers, they probably had, like, different teams that would then try it. And these 100 Sherpa people, mm-hmm. they have they done it before? And this is really the first uh, no. white bandit. As I, be, I don't believe so. I think I, I, it's possible that some Sherpa had done it before, but also like, probably not because you need bottled oxygen to survive at that altitude. So it couldn't. So have if they done. did, they probably died. Poor guys. Poor yeah. dudes. So the I think the main goal is to, regardless of whether some unnamed person in antiquity had climbed it before. Uh, the main goal is to be the first person to go up, come down, and live to tell about Talk it. Talk about it and share your glory, yeah. and then yes, exactly. become a spokesman for something. Now, the the, the Sherpa people are t- the, the ones, at least the ones that are employed as guides, mountaineers, and so on, do tend to be well known for their uh, skill and um, adaptability to these altitudes, but I don't think any Sherpa had climbed it before. Rock on. Mm. Because they're not dumb. Uh, Two of the three attempts to summit would use bottled oxygen as a survival aid at the top because they were like, hey, we're probably going to die if we don't. And what did the third do? They were like, we'll try it. The the first without oxygen failed and they had to turn back. The second also failed because of bad weather and at this point, the majority of the climbers had altitude sickness, and the expedition doctor recommended they give up. Awesome. They're like, please But go they home. didn't. Oh, <laughs> come on. Listen to your yep. doctor. And this is where the story starts to get sad, anime. Oh, I forgot that this is a sad podcast. 
Yeah, this is a bummer podcast. Don't ever forget it. But the climbers led a supply train with porters for one last push. During this supply run, the mountaineers displaced snow and caused an avalanche, which killed seven of the porters. No! So now we're down to none... 93 Sherpa. Yeah, none of the climbers were killed. Only seven uh, porters. Only seven Nepalese porters of were killed. Of course. The expedition immediately ended, and Mallory blamed himself. He should. Yeah. They said go home, and then you didn't go home. What are you going to expect? Then you kill, and then you got people killed. Guilt. He should have guilt so, for the rest of his life. Went back to went back to the UK. Did kind of a, a speaking tour through the UK and America, basically. And when asked by the press why he wanted to climb Everest, Mallory gave the famous answer: "Because it's there." Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. That's hubris. He then tried to climb it again in 1924, hell-bent on the summit this time. So he didn't win the first time, so he's like, you know what I'm gonna do? Do it even better now. So I gotta, I gotta try again. He was 37 in 1924, and he thought that he was gonna be too old to try after this. What's the oldest? I'll ask you later. I'll hold the question. We'll, 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 we'll get to the oldest people to ever summit. Oh, it's, uh, it's harder. That's part, of the, that's part of the second half of the story. Okay. Uh, he didn't technically lead this expedition, but he found a kindred spirit in fellow uh, climber Andrew Irvine, and the two formed a duo much more devoted to summiting than most of the others. Irvine, who went by the nickname Sandy, joined up despite having very little actual climbing experience. Dude. Mm-hmm. And they also, like, made a peer pressuring thing, like, I'm gonna go to the top, if you go to the top, I'm gonna beat you there. You never, that's never a good thing. Peer pressure is a bad thing. Irvine, in 1924, was 22 years old, having just graduated from school. Uh, he had impressed uh, the expedition leaders with his physique. He had, he, was, he had been an athlete, and they thought that that, plus his mechanical knowledge, would be much more valuable on the trip up the mountain than actual climbing expertise. Um, cool. Another person who had been impressed by his physique was a married woman named Marjorie. Uh, back in Britain, and part of why he went on the expedition was to get away from the affair he'd been having. Woof. Yeah. Excuse me, just for a moment, I'm just gonna tuck off to, uh, Mount Everest. <laughs> It'll be bye. very impressive, and I'm afraid I'll have to be gone for many months. Goodbye. Ciao, ciao. Yeah. And then, did, was the other one married? Mallory, I believe, was married, yes. And so he'd I be can, like, I should... bye, wifey, I'll see you, maybe I'll die, have a good life. Yeah. Uh, going off again. It's the, the second, the, the, sorry, the third time I've tried to climb this mountain. Uh, this time I bet it'll go really well. It'll be great. It'll be fine. No problem. Easy. Mm-hmm. Easy peasy lemon peasy. Um, yes, he was married to a woman named Ruth Dixon Turner. Proper. Uh, he was also, he also had a brief, uh, military career. He, his nickname, George Mallory, was the Galahad of Everest. Or of climbing or something. He was, he was very dashing is the idea. Nerd. Yeah, I know, right? So, uh, Galahad and Sandy... Uh, attempted to summit on June 8th of 1924 and never returned. Oh, are we sure they're dead? Mallory was 37, Irvine was 22. Their bodies would not be found for decades. Oh. It would be, I believe, 75 years before Mallory's body was found. No, how did they even identify it as his? I'll get to that in just a second. Um... According to one source, two Nepalese porters also died in the same expedition, but I couldn't find much information about it. Uh, And they also weren't white, and they didn't die trying to summit, so they weren't honored as heroes back in Britain like Mallory was. Of course, because they're brown people. And we gotta gotta keep our heroes looking like us, or the world would fall Mm -hmm. apart. Yep. Mallory's body was eventually found uh, some 75 years later. Uh, There is no way to tell how high he got before he died. One thing, he might have summited. There are a couple pieces of circumstantial evidence that might indicate that he made it to the top before he died. Uh, But one thing is for sure, is for certain, there was, they were, he was roped together with Irvine uh, when there was a fall and uh, he fell some 300 meters or so. Yikes. 
Um, he had an injury around his waist from the rope, and he also had a golf ball-sized puncture in his forehead from his ice axe. His own ice axe? Yeah, that's. it is believed that he might have tried to slow his descent while falling with his axe, and it might have bounced off and hit him in the forehead. Rough life. There's no, there's no way to know what was the actual cause of death, but it is believed that that might have had something to do with that it. That whole gigantic hole in your face could have something to do with no longer living. Yeah. So, uh, after Mallory's death, there was a bit of a gap in terms of deaths on Everest, because uh, only two people died on Everest between Mallory's death and Edmund Hillary's expedition in 1953. Ooh, ooh, ooh. There's a room in my office called the Sir Edmund Hillary room. Hell yeah. And my friend was Sir Edmund Hillary for Halloween. Nice. Edmund Hillary was actually a pretty cool dude. Yeah? Yeah. Um, We won't be talking about him very much because this isn't about competence, goddammit. Oh. It's not what we do here. We're going to be sad about it. We're going to listen to the losers. This is a bummer podcast anime. Get it through your head. Sunday morning hangover. Cure. <laughs> that was a bummer podcast. I I I don't miss Sunday Morning Hangover Cure at all. We replaced it with We Are Experts, and I've been so much happier ever since. And we still have the same theme song, but it's not the same. It is. It's better. It's not. Is the thing. Once Edmund Hillary summited alongside Tenzing Norgay, who was. Who they they the two of them summited at like the exact same time, uh, and then Edmund Hillary devoted his life to helping the Sherpa people or whatever. Who cares? Um, You're so callous. And no, no, no. He was that was that was a he joke. did a he good was, thing. Who cares? Yeah, he was Edmund Hillary was not only the first to summit Everest. He was the first to visit the North Pole, the South Pole, and the top of Everest. Uh, and he spent basically the rest of his life helping the people in Nepal and blah Tibet. blah blah. Too yeah, good. yeah. Whatever. He did a good job. That's not what this podcast is about. We're talking about horrific things. Yeah, we're onwards. making things sad. Once they did that, once he did that alongside Tenzing Norgay. Uh, oh, by the way, fun fact about that: uh, there is no picture of Edmund Hillary on top of Everest from that time he summited it. Do you, so there, you we're know just supposed to believe him. You know who there is a picture of? Who? Tenzing Norgay, his Sherpa. <laughs> Because Edmund Hillary took a picture of Tenzing Norgay and then just kind of said, no, nah, I don't really want mine taken. I don't need one. It's okay. Because Hel- Hillary was a pretty chill dude. Which is why he survived, which is why we don't care about him. Yeah. Next. But once they did that, people knew it could be done. And so, over the course of the next few decades, Mount Everest went from an impossible feat to a tourist destination. Mm-mm. We're going to flash forward to modern day now. <laughs> As of today, over 300 people have died on Mount Everest. That's a lot. It is. Are the, there some highlights? The uh, we're going to we're going to talk about some. The 100th person died in 1989, meaning that over 200 people have died just in the last 30 years. It was like recently. Mhm. This is largely due to the commercialization of the climbing of Everest, as it is now seen as very doable, even for inexperienced climbers. While this is technically true, as hundreds of people summit Everest every year, many of them are, in, are in, and many of them are inexperienced people guided by pros. Experts criticize this by saying it has led to the high number of deaths, or at least partially. Sure. One of the companies most responsible for the commercialization is uh, called Adventure Consultants. They were founded in the early 90s um, and were one of the first people to be like, we are pros and we will take you to the top of Everest even if you're not perfect at climbing. So you just have to show up, we'll hold... And they carry their stuff, right? You don't have to do anything. Yes, you carry your stuff, you carry a ton of stuff to base camp. And then you carry less and less as you go higher, and eventually you because carry as little as zone. possible. Yeah, because you want to have as little as possible at the top. Just a camera to take a picture of your Sherpa. Yeah, obviously, you got to get a selfie. <laughs> uh, 13 people have died on Adventure Consultants Climbs of Everest, uh, and both of the founders of Adventure Consultants have uh, died within five years of starting the company. Oh, did One they die of- on Everest? 
one of them perished from exposure during the 1996 Mount Everest disaster. Ooh. That <laughs> yes. sounds like a story. Uh, that disaster is detailed in John Krakauer's book Into Thin Air, which I would recommend you read uh, if you if you want more details on it. But the gist of it is that a blizzard hit Everest, which was unexpected and unpredicted, and a lot of people were at very high altitudes when it hit. Eight people died. Yikes. Including uh, one of the founders of Adventure Consultants. We're going to talk about other people who died on Everest after a quick break for an ad for another show on the Major Cast Network. Network. Hello there! My name is Katie Wright, and I host Brett Easton Hell Yes, the only podcast dedicated solely to the works of Brett Easton Ellis. Who is Brett Easton Ellis, you may ask? Well, he is the author of such generation-defining novels as American Psycho, Less Than Zero, and The Rules of Attraction. He famously took on such topics as the nihilism and pessimism of the 80s, the entitlement of the wealthy, uh, and the evils of capitalism. Sounds great, right? Well, it's not that simple, because he's also the man who recently wrote a book that's just basically about how much he triggers millennials, uh, and he's also the man who once famously said that women can't direct. Uh, there's a lot to unpack with Brett Easton Ellis. He's wonderful and terrible. I love him as much as I hate him, and I hope that in listening to this podcast, you will come to feel the same way. So please join me on my journey through the wildly inconsistent and problematic, but deeply delightful sometimes works of Brett Easton Ellis on Brett Easton Hell Yes every Sunday on the Major Casts Network. When I was in eighth grade, maybe, Mm -hmm. I watched a documentary about Everest. It was long enough ago that I don't know that much about it. But I do remember I had nightmares for weeks afterwards. <laughs> really? <laughs> this, like, horrific dreams about dying in the cold. I didn't fully die in any of these dreams. I would just get very close to death and be really sad. Oh, so you were scared of, like, being stranded in a blizzard or something. Yeah, stranded or... Why, did, um, why didn't you bring this up when I said, like, are you down to hear about Everest? Because I'm really pumped about it, because it was that was 2008. We are in 2019, I'm gonna kick some Everest oh, so Oh, so we're coming full circle now. This is a, this is a redemption arc. I get it. Okay. Yeah. And also, I mean, it's really fascinating. It's fascinating stuff. <laughs> People are really dumb. Oh, man, you have no idea. And history can prove it. That's yeah. your tagline, right? That is the slogan, yes. Eight people died in a blizzard in the Mount Everest disaster of 1996. Uh, Over 300 people have died on Everest total. That hasn't stopped people... That hasn't stopped Everest from getting ever more popular. Because it's there. Yeah, it sure is. And it it ain't going anywhere. What about with climate change? How do we feel about... Is it going to go down to 29? Nepal is a poor country and relies on tourism money generated from climbing. And the government Mm. has been criticized for giving out too many Everest climbing permits per year. Nowadays, base camp is always crowded during the climbing season, and there tends to be a line going up the mountains on days with clear weather. There have been incidents of pushing and shoving at the summit because it's so crowded. Come on! I know, right? This thing that people couldn't do, and now they're like, excuse me, I need you to be out of my selfie, please? Yeah, I'm just, I need a better view, alright? I've only got 15 minutes before my oxygen runs out and I die. Better make them good. Yeah. I gotta find the perfect angle. They might as well take a video at that point and then edit their selfie in. I, I read I read a New York Times article um, about about this stuff, and there's a picture in it of a, of a kind of touristy climber. Who was like sixty years old, but had done a lot of different. He's like he he was an experienced climber at least. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's this picture of him with a sign that says "Hi, mom, love you." Oh, that's nice. Um, which is nice. And then he later in the article it explains that he took that picture because he was so stressed out from people shoving him at the top of the mountain that he just sat down and did that with his guide instead. Oh, what jerk butts! 
Yeah, I know, right? Camaraderie. It's not. I mean, it it does take a competitive person to compete with the laws of nature. Yeah. However, I mean, you're 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 up there. You made it. Like, don't you want to at least let the next person next to you get a good selfie? So for, through through my research, there was this common thread in a lot of the different articles I was reading that climbers tend to be surprised at how rude and unhelpful other climbers are at the top, like. Climbing tends to be, like, if someone's in trouble, you help, right? Like, a lot of times there's nothing you can do, but if there is, you have to do something. And Everest is... uh, Everest apparently has different rules. Oh. There are a lot of stories of, like, people's oxygen failing and nobody helping them because they realize that if they share oxygen, they'll endanger themselves because, you know, that's their oxygen. Or... They'll uh, cut short their chances of actually making it to the summit because they'll have to return with less oxygen. Really? Yeah, right? That's like, there's gotta be a movie about that, right? (laughs) Um, There are also reports of oxygen tanks being filled improperly or even exploding because they were put together on the black market. Uh, And then there's the poop problem. Does your poop freeze when you poop it out? Give me a second. (laughs) If it's that cold, does your poop freeze? Everest Base Camp is already very high in the mountains, 21,000 feet or so. At that altitude and at those temperatures, poop doesn't really decompose. So people can't leave their excrement at the site or else they would just be a mountain of shit at at base camp. That's disgusting. (laughs) Luckily, they found a solution, anime. What's the solution? Move it somewhere else nearby. No, come on. Come on. So for years now, Nepalese porters have been lugging frozen poop over to a frozen lake and just (laughs) dumping it where it shrivels and doesn't go away. I'm dying. Every season, apparently, they they carry down the equivalent of two fully grown <laughs> elephants in weight in just human shit. I'm trying really hard not to snort right now. <laughs> <laughs> there are currently ongoing efforts into creating a biodigester to take care of that problem. Sure. But we'll see how that goes. Because <laughs> that's very recent. And there's just a pile of crap that they gotta go through. <laughs> Literally. And they need to, like, it needs to be warm to actually decompose the oh, shit, right? I hate that, I hate that, I hate that so, so gotta, much. So they've gotta get it warm, and so that means they've also gotta generate power to warm the, the, the little building. Their job, their entire job, some human's entire job is just warming poop. Mm-hmm. Making well, poop warm. No, no, they're desperately trying to, and they might not even succeed. And if that isn't a metaphor for the human condition, I don't know what is. I feel like oh, that's... Uh, we'll, we'll call the novel, Oh, So You Want to Be an Altruist. <laughs> Someone, we'll oh, see about that. That's so awful. As for now, base camp tends to be covered in trash and tents, and there's an unsustainable landfill developing nearby. Awesome, because but humans are that. trash. Enough of that. Let's talk about all the corpses. 300. It is very difficult to remove corpses from Everest. It is so dangerous that people don't tend to do it. So they just, like, chill? And since bodies kept in sub-zero temperatures don't decompose, that means there are hundreds of corpses on Everest oh, right that's now. that's so, so spooky. Many of them are visible from the main climbing routes. Yuck. And some people died... Oh, because died... people just leave them, right? So they're yeah. like, later, loser, no more Pretty oxygen much. for you. You're gonna be a road. Some of the famous ones get, like, you know, recovery missions. Like the the one that recovered George Mallory's body. After 75 years, look how yeah, hard they tried. Yeah, because there had been other expeditions that had searched for him and couldn't find him. Oof. Yeah. Uh, so some people died in very convenient places. Convenient? There's one corpse, which is known to climbers as Green Boots. 
Green Boots. Yeah, and Green Boots is used as a landmark. Oh, goodness. I mean, if that's the way you're going to go, at least you're going to be a landmark for others. Yeah, I kind of agree on that. He's called Green Boots because his identity is unknown, though it's believed he was part of an Indian expedition in 1996. That was kind of, that's, I was alive for that. Mm. He died in a cave just below the three steps, which are, the three steps are kind of the last great hurdle before the summit, uh, and is thus a great measure of progress for other climbers. They're like, woohoo! Yeah, we made it to green boots. That's awful. In 2006, a British climber named David Sharp died in the same cave. He stopped to rest and just stayed there. Oh, that's like putting your puppy to sleep. Oh, it gets so much worse, anime. Okay. It is believed that some 40 other climbers went right past him while he was dying a few feet away. No! By the time some climbers heard faint moans and tried to give him oxygen, it was too late. The others didn't notice him, or they thought he himself was green boots, or they just didn't care. I could go on with these types of stories. Uh, People are frequently ignored while they die, and good Samaritans trying to, like, recover bodies or help people also frequently die while trying to retrieve the corpses. Wait, so... So, are they callous for leaving their their comrades, or are they... Are they... I don't know. I'm having a whole moral crisis right now. Because mm-hmm. it's awful and then everybody's bad because they're leaving their friends behind, but like, or they die, which is bad. I mean, you have to sign a waiver for this, I'm sure. It's probably a rough one. Mm-hmm. The, ne- strong... the Nepalese government basically considers it to be the climber's responsibility. Yeah, it's like, these are your terms and conditions to buy in here for. You're probably going to die, and if you do, we're not responsible and we're not going to take your body anywhere. Sorry. Mm-hmm. That's... Why do people do this? Yeah, that's the thing. Like, it's a whole moral crisis. Like, you're there, you're running out of oxygen, you want to summit, but you see someone who might die anyway, even if you do help. Oh, that's true. So you might as well leave them to toast so yeah. that you can get your selfie. It's a whole thorny moral problem uh, that would be solved if you just didn't try. Yeah. Some things are better left... You know, free. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, so here's here's another fun story. Fun story. A man named Min Bahadur, Min Bahadur Shurchan, a Nepalese mountaineer, became the oldest person to summit Everest in 2008. He was 76. Oh, when I'm 76 years old, I'm going to be happy if I still have one of my normal hips. <laughs> Uh, He lost that record to a Japanese man named Yuichiro Miura a few years later. He was 80. So, in 2017, at the age of 85, Min tried to set the record again and had a heart attack at base camp. Buddy, quit while you're ahead. Dude. Wait, did he die at base camp? Yep. Oh. Hoping maybe it was one of those non-lethal heart attacks. Nope. (laughs) A lot of cardiac events are responsible for a lot of deaths on Everest. Because of the oxygen thing? Uh, yeah, partially. And also because people just aren't in perfect condition for it. I've accepted. Either, like, they're not in great shape, or they're inexperienced climbers, or they didn't acclimate properly. And sometimes there are people who, like, lie about their, like, heart conditions to get into expeditions. Why would you lie about that? You're you're definitely going to die. Because they, well, some people survive it, even though they lied about stuff like that. Uh, humans are the worst. <laughs> More than 70 of the people who died... Of the more than seventy of the three hundred people who died on Everest were over the age of forty, as even old people seem to think it's a great idea to try to climb Everest, even if they're not experienced, even if they're not in great condition. But it's not. Yeah. Bad idea. Bad news bears. Guide companies nowadays tend to take anyone up the mountain, regardless of potential health issues, and that leads to people dying from exhaustion. What a way to go. A lot of people die from exhaustion on the way back down the mountain, too. Can they upload their selfie? 
Because they kind of put everything into getting up the mountain. They don't leave themselves any energy coming back down. And those are just the smaller issues. What? The last five years have been particularly deadly on Everest. This, da, da, this, da. this problem is getting worse, not better. As the Nepalese government continues to ignore the issues, an avalanche in 2014 killed 16 Sherpas, and the government's compensation to the families was so meager that it sparked a strike amongst the Nepalese guides for the remainder of the season. Yeah, strike them out. Mm-hmm. Unions, rah rah. Hell yeah. Fight the power. 2015 was even worse. On April 25th of that year, a magnitude 7.8 earthquake hit Nepal. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. This caused an avalanche that landed on base camp. This killed at least 22 people. 22. Yeah, that's a lot. Okay, maybe maybe don't sing about the people who died. <laughs> Specifically, maybe don't sing about the death toll. <laughs> Sorry, y'all. Just trying to keep it light and airy. Just trying to trying to it's make a... it through this podcast, man. <laughs> I feel really stressed still. I'm sorry, anime. It's okay. It's it's good for me. We're almost we're almost done. We're Redemption almost done. Line. With, we're almost done with the Everest story. Okay, keep going onwards. Uh. The avalanche landed on base camp, killing at least 22 people. More went missing. More than that were injured. And then other people were stranded at higher elevations with no way to get back. This was the the deadliest tragedy to ever strike Everest climbers. The earthquake in 2015. I'm feeling really sad now. Oh, we're we're wrapping it up, okay? It's not going to get cheerier, but we're, we're basically done. Twelve people have died on Mount Everest in 2019 alone. But it's not even... We're only, like, half and a bit through the year. Mm Mm-hmm. Most of them died from exhaustion while descending after reaching the summit. The number seems to be only going up from year to year. And that's the end. That's the end. That's that's a horrific end. It seems to just be getting worse. It's kind of a tender subject right now because it's... Things are going badly. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's no, like, there isn't any, like... There's no light. Resolution at the end. And then the Schlitterbahn guy. Whatever. Yeah, Yeah, none of that. It's just kind of, things are going to continue because the Nepalese government has already issued a record new high number of permits for the next year. Don't give an F. Yeah. Because they want people to pay money to go there. Also, think about the number of Sherpas who do this, like, multiple times. You know, it's their job oh, yeah, to carry a... people up Everest. I believe, I believe it's a Sherpa who, like, holds the record for most summits of Everest, and a full third of all the deaths on Everest have been uh, Sherpas, I believe. Oh, that's so uncool. We suck. Yeah. It's, I mean, it, it sucks. It super sucks. Mm-hmm. To be also, I'd like to I'd like to clarify. I'm not sure about the usage of the term Sherpa. Um, Sherpa describes an ethnic group uh, in Nepal and Tibet, uh, and it is frequently used as like a catch-all term for Nepalese guides um, and porters. But I'm not sure that it always actually applies, and I'm not sure of the correct usage. So I'd like to say that here. Sorry, y'all. Porters, it is. Yeah, I so I'm I'm just saying I'm not sure. And I couldn't I couldn't find a good answer online. That's a fair thing. Um but yeah, so in the documentary that I used to have nightmares about, uh-huh. It was also part of the my nightmares became pink sludge. I don't remember the details of pink sludge. Oh, like the the meat thing? No, it's like you cough up pink sludge because your lungs are melting. Oh yeah, no, no. There was a there was a climber um, on one of the really early expeditions who was choking, um, and he couldn't uh, figure it out. And he sat down, basically thinking, "Well, like, well, I guess I'm gonna die." Uh, and then finally, like, he did a big cough and coughed something out, and he believes it was his own throat lining. Uh, I hate that so much. Yucky. Yeah. Yep. That's a, that, that's a thing. 
So there are lots of awesome ways to die on Everest. It's not just heart attacks. Yeah, that's the story of all the people who died climbing Everest anime. Thank you so much for that time. It was really special. (laughs) It was so uplifting. It made me feel like being a lump on a couch is an okay thing. What a triumph of the human spirit. (laughs) (laughs) I just, they're like so brave to go up there and selfie on that mountain. Yeah, that's so cool that you did that. I really like admire you for your journey. Mm Mm-hmm. But I'm gonna pass. (laughs) I really enjoyed. Do you want to hear about? Do you want to hear about Green Boots? Did you see him? No. Tell yeah. me about Green Boots. Yeah. All these like, things. Yeah. I missed him. I was taking a nap. <laughs> I closed my eyes during that part of the climb. Just had somebody kick me in the back until I walked. Yeah. So yeah, do you, do we want to get to the pickle? Oh, I forgot about the pickle. Yes, I want to listen to the pickle. <laughs> That's the reason I said yes to this podcast. I was like, I get to hear a pickle before everyone else. <laughs> also right. a story, but like, let's be real. Anime, do you believe in ghosts? No. Uh, yeah, I mean, neither do I. But uh, we've been talking about a story with a lot of dead people, so it got me thinking about ghosts. Got you thinking, just the perusing yeah. the catalogs of the pickles you got up in your noggin. Have you ever wondered if ghosts get married, anime? That has not been one of the things I think about most in my day. Well, that's weird because several different cultures have a tradition of ghost marriages. Now, anime, a ghost marriage. <laughs> I was like, oh, but, oh, ghost marriage? <laughs> ghost marriage. Okay. A ghost marriage is a marriage in which one or both parties are deceased. And yet they're uh, like, y'all can, y'all can get hitched. It's all, <laughs> it's all good. There are uh, several different kinds of it, including there's like a French ghost marriage that has even been going on in like modern times. There's a South Sudanese ghost marriage, but we're going to talk about the Chinese variant of ghost marriage. Oh, yes, my people. (laughs) If you were curious, I am adopted from China. (laughs) Is it ghosts? Is that your people? (laughs) Or is it just married people? (laughs) Um, I'm really glad that married people are not my people. (laughs) Yeah. So there are several different kinds of ghost marriage in China. Okay. There are, people would people would either have one or both parties be deceased and ha- and hold a marriage ceremony. Wait, wait, wait. One or both so one person can be married to a like you're alive and then you're automatically immediately a widow widower. I'm so glad you asked that question. Uh Anime, one of the most common kinds of ghost marriage in China uh, was to a was was a bride um, that was going to be married was engaged to a man mm-hmm. uh, who died, and then mm-hmm. they would just go through with the wedding anyways. I don't like that. This is supposed uh, to be an uplifting pickle. I was I was really hoping that the that the that they would use like the skeleton of the groom, but they don't. Oh, uh, instead, lame. they use a white bird to symbolize the groom. That doesn't that doesn't breed groom to me. <laughs> I was a wedding coordinator in a past life, as in when I was a teenager. Oh God, it gets it gets pretty worse. So the Wikipedia thing on this on this part of it, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. some women were hesitant since this form of ghost marriage required her to participate in the funeral ritual, mourning customs take a vow of celibacy and immediately take up residence with his family. Yuck. So it's like all of the bad things with none of the perks. Yeah, and if a groom did a ghost marriage with his dead fiancé, mm-hmm. uh, he would have basically no disadvantages. But there... Of course. But there are no records of such weddings because naturally the men would just marry somebody else. Naturally. And also, like, the whole thing about culture what you're talking about in that that um the big time whoopsies with the exams right Mm -hmm. is that it's about the number of kids you have that pass the exam yeah oh yeah so then like if you're and and it's important to remember it's important to remember that uh daughters were considered basically worthless trash yeah so but then if you're marrying a dead person and immediately moving in with said family and you're staying celibate, there's zero chance of, I mean, hypothetically speaking, there's zero chance of you having children. So you're automatically just, like, shoved to the bottom of the heap. Pretty much. 
Why would they go through with it then? Uh, no one else would touch them. Damage because because ladies gotta marry. That's pretty much it. That's so the whole like, reason. Not gonna find anybody else. So I might as well just be a. Another reason why women would marry a ghost. Actually, sorry, this is incorrect. Um, a lot of uh, there were marriage ceremonies also held for unmarried dead daughters. Unmarried dead daughters. Yeah, a um, because uh, the because of the way Chinese funeral traditions work, you're expected your your descendants are expected to take care of your remains and you know take care of you in the afterlife. Essentially, mm-hmm. uh, women cannot do that unless they are married into a family with male descendants. Obviously. Yeah, so if you're unmarried and you die, you will not have any descendants to worship or care for her. Right. So then you're going to fade into oblivion. So the so the ghost woman would be married into a new family so that she would be cared for after death. By her, the family of her dead live husbands? Who would take care of her if she doesn't have kids? Her, the, the other family's descendants. Oh, so it's like you you're now in the fam, so it's like crazy aunt. Yeah. The the crazy dead aunt. Yikes. Eric. Mm-hmm. That pickle didn't uplift me the way I I'm was not, hoping. It's, it's not done. Okay, can sorry, continue. Oh, it's not it's also not going to uplift you. But that's the whole point of a pickle. No, it's not. <laughs> the point of a pickle is to be absurd. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, anime. I just couldn't resist the ghost theme. Crushed my soul. It's fine. <laughs> I'm sorry. Just keep talking. It's fine. <laughs> there were uh, women Smoke who over here. there were women um, who had who were so unmarried daughters. If they got too old, were considered like a great source of embarrassment to families. How old is too old? Like twenty two. Yeah, I'm assuming like way too young. <laughs> it's, um, I'm already stressed, and I'm twenty four. <laughs> there were there were definitely girls who basically were going to remain unmarried, and so would have a bride initiated spirit marriage. Uh, where they would marry a spirit and then technically be married, but still basically be single. Like, just in case. I do have a husband, but he's dead, so it's fine if you do want to, you know, pick me up. Well, I'm pretty sure that some of them did it to avoid marriage, according to this, which is interesting. Which actually feels like actual competence, not just, like, adhering to a fucked up society competence. Sor Juana Inez de la Cruz, she decided to become a nun because she couldn't fathom being married. I mean, yeah, who can? Disgusting. Yeah, so, uh, there were... Sorry, I believe in the sanctity of marriage, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) I'm just, I'm I'm married to my dead husband, is the thing. So, uh, not, firm no, but I would otherwise. I would You get hit on and go like, um, actually I have a dead husband. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) it's like those blow-up boyfriends. Have you seen those commercials? (laughs) Okay. <laughs> it's, but it's not creepy like that. So we're gonna wipe the the gross part. But if it's like it's, I think it's a Comedy Central sketch, and the guy comes over, and then she like pulls the string on the fanny pack, and the blow up boyfriend shows up so that other guys will stop hitting on her. Because then it's a blow up boyfriend, and he's like, "Oh man, dude, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to like hit on your girl, because men respect men more than women." Mm-hmm. There were also ghost marriages that were done to continue the family line and basically provide a caretaker for, uh, like, the son, for the dead son's family. But if, how can you continue the family line if there's no... You could adopt an heir as long as you've got a woman around. (laughs) As long as you got that lady. Yeah. Great. Cool. Yeah, there were, um... Oh shoot! Oh, there was uh, there there another custom was that younger brothers cannot marry before older brothers, and so if a deceased older brother hadn't married, they would hold a ghost marriage for him so the younger brother could marry. I hope that caught the sigh because I just feel overwhelmed. In some, in apparently in the days of immigration, some ghost marriages were used to cement a bond of friendship between two families. That sounds like normal marriage. Let's be chums. <laughs> there, then there are also, like, myths and folk tales of, like, 
uh, dead people requesting to be married to other people. Sure. Did they use like a? I'll, I'll just accept it. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I'm just that's over the it. that's the story of ghost marriages. I feel really sad. <laughs> there is what the one the one thing that I did like was the I don't want to get married. You dead guy. <laughs> Come hey, here, friend. You. Buddy old um, pal. I'm married to, uh, that guy. That's a gravestone. Yeah. 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 I'm married to him. How dare you disrespect my husband. Everlasting love. Please don't touch me. <laughs> Please. Please keep your paws off. Alright, well, thanks for being on, Anime. Thanks for having me. I hope all of you enjoyed it. I'm gonna go cry. <laughs> You don't have anything on the internet you want to promote, right? Oh, my Twitter. I got a Twitter. I have yet to tweet. But if I do tweet, I want y'all to be the first. So my ha- my handle, that's what it's called, right? My handle yeah, your is at. my at sign, at sign, anime, not anime. So it's my name, anime, not anime like the cartoon. Yep. Because you, you, the number of people who pass me, have you ever heard, you know, like, like anime? Mm-hmm. Have no, you, do you know what anime is, anime? Have you watched anime? Isn't that so clever? Isn't that cool? Yeah. Were you named for anime? <laughs> no. My name is Anime Star Wars, and I am here to podcast. Blink, blink, blink. Uh, there, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Eric McAdams Ugg. You can find uh, a lot of my work at fanbite.com is where I tend to be working Nowadays, just did a collaborative piece on there with Tom Lockney, who you, obviously, if you're listening to the Major Cast Network, you know who they are. Maine. What do you feel about Maine? Yeah, That's they Tom do, Lockney. They do the uh, King Me podcast among the We Are Experts and the Media Majors and others. Uh, and we did a, a collaborative essay together about the anime Baki on Netflix. Cute. Yeah, and I've got a couple more things uh, coming out later this month for fanbite.com, so check me there. Thank you for listening. Thanks, y'all. Happy Wednesday. Goodbye, anime. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the Major Casts Network. Stay fun, stay nasty, and stay major.